Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Good to see you folks here today. Welcome to all of our campuses. I'll start closest and extend out, but I want to give a warm welcome to those of you at the Durham campus and the Coffee House campus upstairs, North Raleigh in the capital of North Carolina, Sanford down in the Sand Hills, the beautiful Daughters of the King at NCCIW, Garner Campus, Columbia Campus, Kenya Campus, Internet Campus, and our 10th campus. Our 10th campus is going to be... I'm not going to tell you yet. We're not quite there yet, but we're close, man. We're really close. You should hear in a week or so. Again, welcome all. Hey, um, people need the Lord. People really, really need the Lord. And um, as I sat here last week and, and prayed for thousands of people with the anointing of oil, and pastors did it at, at all the campuses, we, we were playing, if you will, we were living into, we were stepping into um, the priestly role. If you know anything about being in ministry, called into ministry, traditionally the church has always talked about the role of pastor in three different areas, if you will. Pastor, prophet, and priest. Pastor, prophet, and priest. And uh, last week was priestly, man. Today I'm going to kind of go back to uh, pastor and teach a little bit on this text that we've heard read at all of our campuses. Go and open up to John chapter 4 on your phones, on your tablets, on your Bibles, whatever. Go in and open, open it up. But I'm going to tell you toward the end of the message, I'm going to try my best to step into a priestly role. I mean, not priestly, that was last week. Into a prophetic role. Into a prophetic role and, and speak to a situation that I think the church needs to uh, grapple with and address because it is being thrust our way. But in John chapter 4, we heard this amazing text. And uh, as we kind of get into it, and I'll talk about a few things that just kind of bubble up from the depths of the text. Let me tell you about a rabbi. Around the turn of the century, a rabbi was wandering out in the chilly Russian city streets one night, discouraged and down, had his hands stuck in his pocket, and the only thing chillier than his soul was the streets in Russia that night. As he wandered around aimlessly, he wandered into a military compound at which he came across a military soldier who knew that he was where he should not be. This was off limits to civilians. And so the military soldier barked at the rabbi. Who are you? And what are you doing here? To which the rabbi was startled, of course, and taken aback. And then finally, as if he had a moment of epiphany, he asked the military soldier, how much do you get paid per day? To which the soldier retorted, that's none of your business. Who are you and what are you doing here? Another long pause and the rabbi looked at the military soldier and said, whatever you make a day, whatever you make, I'll pay you that amount if you will ask me that question every day. Those two questions every day. Who are you? And what are you doing here? May I be your military soldier, if you will, and ask you that question on the front end of where we're going today? May I ask you that question? Will you make that incredibly personal? Who are you? And what are you doing here? You see, that I believe that if we let that question ricochet in the corridors of our souls, our best days are ahead of us as a church. I believe that if we ask that question, our best days, your best days are ahead of you as a human being. Who are you? Like for real. And what are you doing here? The text has already been read, so grab your teaching notes, grab your pen, let's go get this today. Let me talk about a few things for you today. The first thing we see in this passage of Scripture is that 
Jesus taught us to go amongst the people. Write it in. Go amongst the people. Go amongst who? The people. Very powerful truth that comes from the text. Jesus teaches us that we must go amongst the people. You might say, where do you get that from, Pastor? Here it is. John 4, 5. John 4, 5. Let's read scripture out loud together. Ready, church? Go. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Now, the first point you need to understand is the heartbeat of our church. We are about people. We are a church that is about people. Our passion around here is not buildings, not programs, but what? People. Jesus went to where the people were. The, the wells in those days, that was, the, that was the proverbial water cooler, if you will. That's where people hung out. Jesus didn't have to go there, but Jesus went Amongst the people, I just got word this week from our outreach team that they are going to be unveiling in the very near future a strategic plan for ways in which you and I can go into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, and be friends to people. Actually get to know people. We live in a garage door culture. Come on, do we not? There's been Sociologists have written about the era in which we are living we, most of us, we get up, we push our garage door open, we pull out, we go to work, we come home, we drive into the garage area. What do we do? We push the button, the garage door shuts, and many of us never even get to know our neighbors. You might say, I don't live in a house with a garage. I live in an apartment, wherever it is. But you do the same thing. You go to your car, you do your thing. You come home and the outreach team is going to be reminding us what Jesus teaches us in this passage is to go amongst the people. You can read the Bible from start to finish, church, from Genesis to Revelation. And the one thread that ties it all together is that God is consumed with people. Are you? Who are you? What are you doing here? Who knows our vision? Just yell it out. Three word vision. What is it? Wow, that was strong. Great. If thou best, reach who? People. Dogs, yeah. Cats, no. No dogs, no cats. We reach what? People. Teach who? People. Release who? You see it? It's all about. If I were to take our three-word vision and put it in a sentence for you, it would go like this. The purpose of New Hope Church. The purpose of New Hope Church is to reach people with the message of Jesus. Teach people the Bible or the Christian faith, if you will, and release people into ministry so that we can do what? See, the powerful thing about our vision, I don't know if you ever thought about this, is our vision is cyclical. The vision, reach, teach, and release, to the extent to which we reach people, teach people, and release people, check it out, we will reach, teach, and release more people. So when you reach, teach, and release, you get to that level. But the beauty of this vision is we're releasing more people. Then we go to a what? Whole nother level. And then we reach the end. And the church just keeps growing. We are about people. Write this down. Second thing. Second thing. Become a friend. Become a what? Become a friend. The first thing Jesus does is he befriends this Samaritan woman. Now, you might not know that, but just write this down in your Bible. Take note of this. Jews did not speak to Samaritans. Samaritans did not speak to the Jews. And Jesus models for us right here in this text that if we're going to live out this faith, if we're going to be who God has called us to be, if we're going to live on purpose in this life, who are you? What are you doing here? If we're going to do that right, we have to understand that we befriend people and often we're called to befriend people that we don't look like, talk like, act like, smell like. Not long ago, I was watching television and I was watching ESPN, the only godly channel on network. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, GQ magazine, an interviewer was interviewing Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. You don't know who Kobe Bryant is? Well, <laughs> say he's a basketball player. Pretty good one. 
Kobe Bryant was asked this question by GQ magazine about his friends. The, the interviewer said, you don't seem to have many friends. Do you have any friends? And Kobe says this, quote, unquote, I have like minds. You know, I've been fortunate to play in Los Angeles where there are a lot of people like me, actors, musicians, businessmen, obsessives, people who feel like God put them on earth to do whatever it is they're supposed to do. Now, do we have time to build great relationships? No. Do we have time to build great friendships? No. Do we have time to socialize and to hang out aimlessly? No. Do we want to do that? No, Kobe Bryant says. We want to work. I enjoy working. Then the GQ magazine interviewer pushed a little bit, poked a little bit. Do you miss the idea of having great friendships? To which Kobe said, of course. It's not like I'm saying I don't need friends because I'm so strong. It's a weakness, he says. When I was growing up in Italy, I grew up in isolation. I was the only black kid. I didn't speak the language. I'd be in one city, but then we'd move to a different city, and I'd have to do it all over again. I'd make friends, but I'd never be a part of a group because the other kids were already growing up together. So this is how I grew up, and I guess I have to admit this is a weakness of mine. Kobe Bryant, famous Kobe Bryant, echoing, listen to me, what Hundreds of you said to me last week. And I bet all the campus pastors can attest to this. As you folks came down for anointing with oil and prayer, and we were blown away, by the way, to our best guesstimation, you know, 90% of you or so came forward for prayer and anointing with oil. You know what I heard over and over and over and over again? I'm lonely. Like overwhelmingly so. Think about this. Wherever you're sitting right now at any of our campuses, the people on your row, undeniably, I can attest to this as a result of last week, there's multiple people on your row right now, right now, right now, right where you are. You can look at them if you want or you can just keep looking at me. Don't be doing any of this. I think you're the one. No, no. <laughs> They're lonely. Think about that. Sitting right near you, multiple people around you. I'm not talking about a little lonely. I'm talking about standing in God's house with tears falling down their face saying, I'm so lonely. You talk about how we're to reach people, how we're to live on purpose as a church. You can't do it without talking about invest and invite. This is what we've modeled from the very beginning of our church. We reach, teach, and release through invest and invite. And if I were to put that in a sentence for you, it would be this. To fulfill the biblical vision of the church, we invest and invite unchurched, unbelieving people to new hope environments so that we can creatively offer them who? Christ and authentic community. Authentic community we are lonely download that for a moment church people around you right now they're lonely people living near you they're lonely they're hurting they've got all kinds of junk up in their trunk who are you who am i and what are we doing here number three number three comes right from the text don't just oh i love this don't just share the good news be the good news and for some of you that's good news because you're not into sharing the good news <laughs> so that, some of you are gonna find some i mean some of you're like oh i can just be it instead of share it yes <laughs> reading your mail aren't i don't just share the good news and the church has historically been good at just sharing proclaiming Statement after statement after statement, sometimes coming across as judgmental. Instead of sharing, why don't you just be the good news first? Why don't you just 
Think about the way in which you can rub shoulders with people around you in this church and outside this church. Jesus' method is profound and simple here. John 4, 13 and 14. Come on, you read the last text so well. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. Everyone who drinks this water will be... But whoever drinks the water I give him will never... Will never what? Jesus. Wherever he went. Yeah, he shared and he proclaimed, but make no mistake about it. First, he just embodied good news. You might say, well, how do we do that? Jesus would take conversations, normal conversations, like hanging out at a well with a Samaritan woman. And in the midst of that conversation, this is the model for us, church. This is invest and invite. In the midst of conversation with people, Jesus would always, he was a master at this. He would turn the conversation toward God. And he turned the conversation toward God, not by just proclaiming religious statements, not by making declarations and proclamations. Did you know that Jesus asked far more questions than he answered? This is going to blow your mind. This is going to blow. Did you know this? Jesus was asked 183 questions in the New Testament. How many, church? 183. Watch, this is going to blow your mind. Jesus only directly answered three of them. Did you know this? Directly answered three of them. Jesus would often, instead of answering the questions, he would often ask a question. Look at this. Jesus asked 307 questions in the New Testament. Isn't that fascinating? When we have a tendency to make more statements, I guess what I'm trying to say to you today is we would be far more effective if we made less statements and asked better questions. Hello. How my God more effectively use us as a church if we just learn to ask better questions. You might say, well, what kind of questions? I'm glad you asked. Do you have a church home? What a great question. You just turned it toward God, toward, toward church. It's not judgmental. It's not declarative. It's not proclamation. Do you have a church home? Here's another one. What do you think God is trying to say in the midst of all your struggles? Here's one. What do you think these days about ISIS? See? See? Where are you from? That's an easy one. Where are you from? Just ask questions. Just get the conversation going. Here's a great one. Oh, this is so good. Did you grow up in church? Did you grow up in church? Oh, would you like to join me at church one Sunday? And I'll be glad to pick you up. And then when we're done, you go to lunch or breakfast, whatever service you come to. And you talk about the message. And the only thing not on the menu is roasted pastor. You just talk about the message, and then you buy. I said, I said, you buy. You, you pick up the tab because you're investing and inviting. You're building the. Here's one. How can I pray for you, church? Write, write, that, write that down. I've never, ever, ever met anyone, even atheists and agnostics. I've never met anyone who was not open to you praying for them. Last question. Just give you some examples. Oh, let this settle in. People are lonely. People are hurting. People have junk. Here it is. Do you know God loves you? <whistles> Who are we? What are we doing here? People need the Lord, can I get an amen, amen, and amen. Be the good news.
What does it look like? Questions. What does it look like? Why don't we let the greatest actor on planet Earth, you know who I'm talking about. He's my man. Why don't we let him show us? Check it out. Collect call to anyone from Mr. Reuben Carter. Take one. Yes. Reuben? Lesra? No, it's Harry. Here with Lisa and Sam, and Lesra's here. Hey, how y'all doing? Look out the window. What? You see that light? The one that's blinking? You see it? Yeah. Yeah, I see you. What are you doing here? Yeah, I can see you. We're here. Move down here. For what? We're in this thing full time until you walk out of there. Hold on, Lisa wants to say something. Hey, Rube. <laughs> Looks like you got some foot soldiers now, huh? huh. <laughs> we're all in this together, and we're not leaving till we all leave. <laughs> You're beautiful. We're gonna take you home. here for you. We're going to take you home. Our lights are flashing in the midst of a dark and dying world, which I'm about to speak to in just a moment. It's the role of the church to say our lights are on. We're here for you. We're going to take you home. The movie's called Hurricane. The actor, if you don't know, is Denzel Washington. His name is Reuben. He's been in prison for like 16 years for a crime he didn't commit. Befriending folks, being good news, instead of just declaring and saying good news. It's why the prophet Isaiah would actually say that this is how we are the good news to people. Isaiah 52, 7. The word of the Lord says this. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who what church? And that's the biblical way of saying this. That, that it's beautiful. You're beautiful. I'm beautiful. We're beautiful as a church when we bring good news. Paul, the apostle Paul, would pick up on this very same thing. And in the book of Revelation, I mean Romans, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, the Bible would say this. And how will anyone go and tell them without being what? Sent. That is why the scripture says out loud together. Ready? Go. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Here's the last thing I want to say to us today. Experience the thrill of being used by God. Who are you and why are you here? Listen, if we get this right, if we model our lives after what Jesus taught us in John chapter 4, if we learn to go amongst the people, we learn to be a friend, we learn to not just share good news but be good news. If we do that, don't miss this church. If we do that, then we can live our one and only lives knowing and experiencing the thrill of God using us. 200 million people live in America right now who don't know the gospel. 200 million. That makes the United States of America the fifth 
largest mission field on the planet. And as I've said to you over and over again, if you keep a tally of this, when I retire one day or pass away and I'm in a casket up here, somebody's going to be able to say, you know, I think he said 999 times. You will never do anything greater with your life, ever, than be a part of leading someone to faith in Jesus Christ. It's greater than the home you live in, your earning power, the degrees on your wall. It's greater than the children you have. The greatest thing you will ever do is be involved in someone coming to know Christ as Lord. And when you're in a church like ours, you don't have to do it on your own. We're partners in this deal. We go out, we hit the mission field every single week. We go amongst the people. We become a friend. We invest and invite and we bring into new hope environments where the Spirit of God moves. And every single Sunday, people walk out of here changed and you get to be a part of that. Who are we? Why are we here? I want to take a moment and put on my prophet hat. I tried to be your priest last week. I want to try to be your prophet today. And I want to talk to you about the days in which we live in. And here's what I know that I know. You're feeling some of the same things that I'm feeling. And that is what is going on in our world. These are tricky days, church. And the subject matter that I am about to speak to you about, please hear my heart here. It is the last thing I want to talk to you about. It is the very last thing I want to talk about in church. But the culture in which we live today and how our culture is not on a slow fade anymore, like I used to say it's on a slow fade. It's not on a slow fade anymore. Listen to me. Our church, I mean our culture, is sliding south in such a hurry that it has my head spinning. And I used to, I mean, I've never been an alarmist. I've never been an alarmist. To be honest with you, alarmists kind of, they used to get on my nerves. Like, you know what I mean by an alarmist? The guy or the gal who sits around and all they ever talk about is the fact that the world's going to come to an end. Listen, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. And I do believe Jesus is going to come one day. Amen? He's going to put an end to it all. An alarmist, one who kind of sees a demon under every rock. You know what I mean? I've never been that person. I've never been an alarmist. But can I tell you that things are happening so fast in our culture today that just 10 years ago I could not have imagined the rate at which our country is sliding south in a hurry, it blows my mind. And the Bible talks about the quote-unquote last days. And again, I'm not one of those who gets up and always talks about the darkness and we're in the end times and it's the last days. I just haven't been that guy. But can I tell you that probably for the first time in my Christian life, I'm scratching my head looking to the eastern sky wondering if we are living in the last days. Can I just tell you that? The stuff that is going on in our culture today from bombings to bickering politics to homicide rates skyrocketing in major cities like Baltimore to sexual confusion to people thumbing their nose to God to stuff we carry around and struggle with in our own life, right? All People desperately need the Lord. And as I sent in my newsletter this week, sent out to all of you, there are times, man, when I'm just dangling by a thread of grace. Dangling. Wondering, are we living in these last days? I want to speak to you for just a moment about Bruce Jenner. Yes, I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to speak to you about that, and I hope that this is a word that will help you know how we think about these things. I have to, it's my job around here, to help us think about such matters. 
From 1976, we went from him being on the front of a box of Wheaties, check it out, to 2015, he's on the cover of Vanity Fair. This is not a time for me to judge anyone. Or is it a time for me to condemn a large group of people? That's not my heart. And if you know me, you know my heart. If you're a guest at any of our campuses, you know my heart. But here's what I know. We're entering into some rough waters, church. There's a group of people in our country that are coming at the culture and the church in a militant kind of way. And I'm not talking about Bruce Jenner. I'm just kind of going off for just a moment. On sexual groups that are militant in their agenda upon the church. I'm a whitewater rafter. I love it. And if you're a whitewater rafter, you know you got the calm waters. But then you got the rough rapids. And I just want to let you know that I believe we are entering into the rough water. And as a church, we're going to have to try to figure out how we maneuver. How we stay afloat. So with your permission, I want to give you four things, four points that I believe Christians need to understand to navigate what we are seeing all the time in the media, particularly with the Bruce Jenner situation. I'm going to stay seated and I'm going to stay close to my notes because I want to make sure I say things the right way. Number one, Bruce Jenner is a man. Loved and created by God. He is a man. Loved and created by God. The Bible says this in Genesis 1, 27. And I know there's a lot of tension in the room. And we're going to go through the tension today. But let's read scripture together. Genesis 1, 27. Ready, go. So God created man... In his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he. God is creator. God creates as God wants to create. Psalm 139, 14. You read that so well. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Go. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that. He's loved by God. Because he's loved by God, guess what? He's loved by me. And the place we must always start and when we hit these rough waters is we, we start from the perspective, from the humble position of love. Agree, church? Agree, church? We love. If Bruce Jenner were to walk in that door today, and he might see this on the internet, and he's ever in North Carolina, he's welcome at this church. He is welcome at this church. He's loved and he's created by God. Now you clapped for that. I don't know if you're going to clap for what I'm about to say. A man has certain physical characteristics. Back in 1976, many of us saw Bruce run, jump, and throw at a world-class level, winning the Olympic gold in the decathlon. Bruce can call himself Caitlin all he wants. And mainstream media can get mad at anyone who wants to still call him Bruce. But Bruce Jenner is a man. Created by God. Loved by God. He may be a hurting, frustrated, and confused man, but he is still a man. He can amputate his genitals and amplify his estrogen. Put on a dress, paint his face, and wear hair extensions. But just as kids going door to door on Halloween are not actually witches and warlocks, Bruce Jenner is not a woman simply because he has worked hard to look like one. Ask a healthy heterosexual man if he could ever be sexually intimate with Bruce Jenner. Not one of them would say yes. Not one. 
He's a man, not a woman. Created by God. He is a man confused. And he cannot, no matter how hard he tries, he cannot reverse that which God has created. Number two, Bruce Jenner is a fallen and frustrated man. Now, as I keep going, you've got to keep reminding yourself that he is a man loved by God and he's loved by us. See, church, we can speak truth and embody grace. We have to. It was a command of Jesus. He came, John 1, full of grace and what? Truth. We have to hold the tension. Bruce Jenner is a fallen and frustrated man. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Let's keep grounding my thoughts in Scripture. I never speak up here as a mere mortal. I hope I speak the Word of God to you. Let's read it out loud together. 1 Corinthians 16, go. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in... See how those two hold it together? Just as the accolades of the adoring crowds drove his disciplined pursuit of Olympic glory, so now the applause of a reprobate culture appears to fuel his effort to mask his fallen condition. Deep inside, Bruce knows that yielding to his personal proclivities does not procure him peace. Experience has taught him that more sin produces more shame. You know that, and so do I. Incredibly, though, the hardened heart seldom slows and actually accelerates as the cliff approaches. Listen to me. That is why this fallen man did a radical thing in search of some relief from his personal misery. But does anyone believe, does anyone here, does anyone here at any of our campuses or on the internet, does anyone believe that he's really found relief and peace? Let me just speak to the men for a moment. Women, you're welcome to listen on. Being a man is not easy. Particularly in the 21st century, we are confused. Masculinity is very confusing. Men don't know how to be men anymore. Listen to me. Biblical masculinity is hard work. It is authority questioned in this day and age. Responsibility laden. Frequently unpopular. And always a burdensome work. Manhood. Expressed in Christ-like manner. Crushes your flesh. Exhausts your capacity. And induces total dependence upon a heavenly father. As heads of our households and servants in our churches, we are always under scrutiny. Never without temptation to laxity. And continually, continuously offered leisure as a substitute for needed leadership. In a day when weakness is applauded and certainty is derided... It is tough to take a stand and declare, thus says the Lord. But men, that's our calling. That's who God's called you to be. Don't let culture derail you. Straighten your spine. Rise up for our country needs men of God. And just as, oh, I'm about to go off. Oh, I can feel it. Just as the church has neutered the Lion of Judah and overly feminized the church, men, if you're not careful, you will let the culture neuter you and you will become a feminine representation of that which God has created you to be. You are called to be a man of God, a man of God with courage, a man of God with boldness, a man of God with valor. And if you listen to mainstream media, they'll start to convince you that Bruce is courageous. Have you heard? He's a hero. Valor. I'm very serious. Don't let culture define courage and valor 
and determination and boldness as someone who has done what he has done. Let me tell you something. Soldiers that fight for our country demonstrate courage and boldness and valor. Men who stand up. Men who stand up and lead their family in the way of the Lord. They embody courage and boldness and valor. Men who don't cheat on their wives. Men who stay home and raise their children. Those are courage and valor and boldness. Be a man of God. Be a man of God, man. You guys, sit. thank you, thank you. But you guys sit back down. I, I, I got a few more. I got a few more. But, but, but the fact that you would do that right there tells me a lot about who we are. It is not masculine to verbally assault or insult Bruce Jenner. Remember, we're people of love. I will not do that, nor should we. We must love all people regardless of what social issues are thrust our way. Agreed, church? Where are the real men, though? Where are the real men in our culture today? Where are the real men speaking into the life of Bruce Jenner? I'm serious. If he were to come to this church, I would welcome him, but I would try my best. I would try my best to humbly... Speak a word into his life with all love and grace. And I pray that God would give me the ability to speak to the cavity that is in his soul that he is searching to fill. His much publicized family of worldly women known as the Kardashians appear to have widened the wound he claims to have carried for a long time. If you research him you will find a hurting man. He talks about this. It is not the unresolved wound that is the wrong. It is the solution that he is attempting to wander into. And as with all temptation, the answer to Bruce's longing to be a woman is not, I say it is not, to yield and run as fast as he can from being a man. Relief of temptation is in refusing the lie, the lie of what has been promised to him and instead finding his refuge in Christ. Oh, how I wish Bruce would understand this unbelievable passage in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, out loud, together as a church. Why don't we just pray this For him that this would be what he somehow or another finds. Go come to me. All you who are. And and I will give you. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. For I am. And in heart. And you will find. Rest. For your souls. God's broken my heart for this man this week. I have such compassion for him. Number three, Bruce Jenner is a man at risk. Bruce Jenner is a man at risk. I cannot begin to know the forces that have fueled Bruce Jenner's retreat from manhood. But foe femininity will not give the freedom he has fantasized about. Even the tiny bit of research on Bruce Jenner reveals the heartache of a man cross-dressing beneath his sweatsuit during the Olympic gold medal interviews. You might not know this, but a victory Porsche given to the world's greatest athlete ended up taking his brother's life in a tragic automobile accident. This is a man who is hurting, but he is a man at risk. Proverbs 4.26, Proverbs 4.26, ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Even Bruce Jenner appeared on a box of Wheaties in a grocery store everywhere. But did you know that while that was going down, he was failing at marriage and failing at fatherhood? A man who had given all for victory, don't miss this next few sentences, longing for an escape from defeat. But he peaked early, church, he peaked early. He never seemed to be able to reach those heights again. 
And instead of Bruce Jenner becoming a man, increasingly he became preoccupied, addicted, and finally consumed with his own narrative. It's a story, church, of wounded and true narcissism that is encroaching and engulfing his very life right before our very eyes. Immediately following this sex change surgery, accelerated to appease the producers of his upcoming reality show, Bruce Jenner, report, Bruce Jenner reported immense doubt about such a radical and irreversible procedure. Did you know that studies show that men and women who go through with such radical sex change procedures, the suicide rate is at about 44%? If you are thinking about such a thing, if you are thinking about such a thing wherever you are, if you're confused about your sexual identity, as I said last week, if you find yourself engulfed in same-sex attraction, whatever the case may be, please, please, please know two things. You're welcome at this church, and we are here for you. We are here for you, and we will receive you, and we will pray with you, and we will journey through the Bible together. But do not... Try to go that alone. Agreed, church? Agreed? Listen, wrap this thing up. To his regret, in his interview with Diane Sawyer, and if you want to watch something amazing, go watch the interview with Diane Sawyer. Even as he muses about the roller coaster ahead and where this journey will end, you will find a man who is hurting and confused. Is anybody listening to this man with great compassion? Fourth, Bruce Jenner. Last, Bruce Jenner is a man in need of the gospel. He is a man in need of the gospel. Remember my questions today. Who are you? Who am I? And what in the name of the Lord are we doing here? This stuff matters, church. What we're doing matters, this is why I'm calling every single one of you to get out of the grandstands. This stuff matters. And I hate to be blunt, but heck, I'm going there today. Listen, if you're never going to get really engaged in the vision of this church, if you're never really going to get involved and support the church financially and care about lost people and build redemptive relationships with lost people and care about your neighbors, if you're never going to do anything, if your plan is just to sit here all the days of your life and become a complacent note taker, I hate to tell you this, but I need your seat. I need your seat. I need your seat and I need your parking space. Now, if you're just exploring, take your time. I got a vision right now. Just, just came to me. We need to have a roped off section. We need to have, we need to have a, at all of our campuses, we need to have like 80% of the worship centers is for, is for the believers on point. Mission-minded, vision-submitted leaders. And then we need to have a section that's roped off. We'll call that the exploring section. And those are for unbelievers, non-believers. You don't know what you believe, man. You're well, those are also for believers who have never gotten off their derriere and cared about lost people. And maybe, how long do you think we should give them? How long do you think we should give them in that section? <laughs> this is fun to imagine, man. How long? How long? Three months? Campus pastors, what do you think? Six months? And when six months, if you, if you believe, now we'd never kick out an unbeliever, amen? Never kick out an unbeliever. But if you're a believer and all you do is sit on your derriere and Christianity is all about you, 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 and you haven't transitioned to him, 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 here, we're, we're just going to ask you to move. We'll show you a church right down the road. There's one on the right, new life. <laughs> down from Garner, there's one down the street, right down the street from Stanford. I'm talking about right down the street. North Raleigh, Columbia, church, would you help you find a church? Bye-bye. We need your seat because we're that serious about what we do. This is a church on mission. And if that hurts your feelings, I love you. And don't worry, we're not going to rope off a section.
but it is a freaking awesome idea. <laughs> Bruce Jenner is a man in need of the gospel. It was St. Augustine who said this. St. Augustine said this. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our souls are restless until they find rest in the church people need the Lord. You need the Lord, yeah? I need the Lord, yeah? Dangling by a thread of grace these days. We all need the Lord. But I'm here to tell you the white water is rough in our culture. These are tricky, tricky days. But I want to let you know this is the very reason why I'm so excited about living in the 21st century. This is the very reason why I don't think there has ever been a more exciting day to be in the church of Jesus Christ than right now. People are desperate. People are hurting. People are lonely. And people need the Lord. And what they really need is a church that is exciting and a church that is relevant, but a church that is willing to welcome and embrace all people, but never, ever, ever compromise the truth and create a place where souls are saved, sins are forgiven, lives are changed, and eternity is populated while hell is depopulated. This is what we're called to be and to do. And for that, I invite you onto the greatest journey known to man. It's rough. It's hard. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy. But with God's help, with God as our leader, as with Christ as the head of his church, I believe God has positioned us New hope, you, you, you positioned us for such a time as this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.